This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. everyone, this is Chris Grasso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast hosted on the Be Here Now Network. And my guest today is someone I am incredibly excited to talk with. Her name is Roxanne McDonald. Roxanne, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yay. Well, the feeling's certainly mutual. So as always, before I jump into the conversation, I want to share with our listeners uh, a little bit about you. So Roxanne McDonald is a writer, workshop facilitator, and coach. After 14 years working on the front lines of addiction, trauma recovery, and gang diversion, Roxanne quit the nonprofit world to dedicate herself to full-time writing and spreading her brand of edgy, playful, often irreverent spirituality and personal development. She launched the Instagram account at spiritual underscore capital A, F as in Frank, in 2013, which has gone on to gain over 79,000 devoted followers, and I am proudly one of them. Uh, In March of 2019, Roxanne and Knock Knock Publishing will release two decks of cards offering hundreds of ways for people to either be grateful AF, and we can swear on this show, so let's just say (laughs) what it is, grateful as fuck or spiritual as fuck. Roxanne is currently finishing a memoir about her own trauma recovery and battle with addiction. So, Roxanne, thanks again for being with me today. Thank you. Yeah. So, psyched on this. I We talked about your Instagram account. And first of all, when I started looking at that, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this person's like another me. I love this. You know, you have these incredibly funny, like, animal videos, and then you have, like, some edgy, insightful, like spiritual stuff. It's a very lighthearted yet uh, engaging and um, what's a good word? Uh, inspirational, I guess, um, page to follow. You you have everything that I think anyone that is a fan of my work would absolutely love. So first of all, let me say to listeners, if you're not following Roxanne on Instagram, you're highly missing out. If you're checking this out on the Be Here Now webpage, scroll down there will be a link to Roxanne's Twitter account uh or not Twitter sorry Instagram but again at spiritual underscore af so let's start Roxanne as far back as you would like that's how I usually start these shows you can begin wherever you want but I want to know about Roxanne what what was Roxanne like when she was (laughs) younger and what led Roxanne to who she is today 
what is today? Uh, coincidentally, International uh, Women's Day, Women's Day, I believe, which um, happy day to you and <laughs> to all other women listening, even though this will be after the fact. But yeah, so enough out of me. Let's see. Let's uh. learn about you. Oh, man. It, getting asked that question, it's such a um, it's a little overwhelming because when I start talking about little areas of my life, I've had a really weird life. And I know a lot of everyone feels like that. And sure. I, um, I think it's true. Yeah. But then I'm like, where do I start? Um, yeah. well, I know yeah. you do from like learning about you. I, I know you've, uh-huh. you've, yeah, you've experienced a lot. Um, so wherever <laughs> you want to go with it. Well, so I think with the work that I did and when I do in the world, the, um, the thing for me that I feel like has been a gift and, uh, not, I like to choose my words. So I, I tend to stumble a little bit before I get going. I appreciate um, that. That's fine. So I, you, I used to play this game with people called the bad childhood game where mm. people would be like, well, I was, you know, I was on food stamps and I'm like, well, I had scurvy oh. and <laughs> like, we would like up each other's ante. And I usually would win besides this one friend who was sold to mean hippies twice. Jesus. Uh, so I, it was a playful game, but it was also pretty ruthless. And so I, um, I grew up with like any type of trauma you could have. And of course there's people who've had worse childhoods than me. I'm absolutely totally willing to admit that. But in that realm of like coming from difficulty, like I, I, um, I was actually, my dad kind of accidentally left me in the woods in Alaska as a toddler. Mm. And, um, we were, you know, found and rescued from there, my two brothers and I, um, and then I grew up with, you know, this, this story being told that I was abandoned, that I wasn't, my dad didn't love me and I was not worthy of his love. So my, and my mom was raising me. Um, and I don't need to get into all the trauma, but my mom really like, you know, she, uh, she was very mentally ill and very damaged and got to a point in her self where it was, I mean, her choices got so mixed up in evil that there was really no turning back for her. Um, and so, uh, so I, you know, I grew up with in, you know, sexual abuse, physical abuse, uh, abandonment, um, uh, like, uh, you know, violence of all types. And so I, uh, I, I, I have that. And I think with the work I've done, it's this, um, it's partly amazing in the sense of like what I was given, because when I sit in front of somebody and they have experienced trauma and loss and violence and all these things, it's not that I can go, I get to tell you anything about your experience, but there's a, this beautiful thing where I like, it was resonance where I don't have to tell people that that's stuff I've dealt with. You, they, we feel it. We can walk into rooms and look at each other and go, I can, I can spot the people who who are, have that and not because we're all messed up or whatever. But, um, but the, the gift for me, which when I look at my life and go, Oh my God, how did this happen? Is that I was, I experienced all this trauma and then I was also placed into these um, positions where it's just, I was really given opportunities for healing and health mm. um, the second I had any agency. So like I was, you know, my mom was running this pedophilia ring and I was wow. growing up in a neighborhood where Ellen Bass and Laura Davis were writing the Courage to Heal handbooks. Yeah. And 
doing circles where my friends' moms were in those circles talking about childhood trauma. And then the culture outside of my home was all about talk. So I, from nine years old, I'd been talking about it. So I did, I had this, both the experience of the trauma and this unheard of uh, uh, um, culture that got me to be able to have health and well-being like that I don't think was, was uh, people were able to have before because they, the culture wasn't supporting them. And then, you know, I was drinking and, and doing drugs before I could remember. I was driving drunk at nine, which is, I oh love to say gosh. that. <laughs> I, um, my cousin, I, my, my computer is about to die, of course. So, so I plug her in. Plug this in. Um, and like I said, we don't edit. So plug in, keep on chatting. We're good. Yeah, I don't. Um, but I also am in my neighbor's house, so I don't know where the plug is. So while you're looking for that, I will let listeners know that um, poor Roxanne, like right as we're about to do the podcast, uh, I'm like, where is she? Because she's running late and she lives in a village, as she was explaining to me in California. And one side of the street, her side, is out of uh, the Internet. But the other side, for some reason, does have Internet. So... She was um, ambitious enough to just go over to a friend's house who happened to be home and um, I was allowing her to do the podcast. So I appreciate Roxanne for her resiliency and her neighbor for helping with that so we can have this conversation. And how, how's it looking over there? Do you find a plug? Um, yes. And then now I think I got it. Yay. <laughs> how do you like that little space filler? <laughs> ah, thank you. That was really good. You got um, it. So, so driving yeah. drunk at nine years old, that, that is something I have never heard on this show before. So, yeah, please continue. <laughs> well, I mean, my cousins were, I had this group of cousins and we were all just drinking and doing drugs early on. And mm -hmm. I think it's a blessing that I, I think I would have a lot more emotional and mental issues mm -hmm. if I hadn't been able to, to check out the way that I did from, sure. I mean, I was five and I knew how to pump a keg to not have like the foam on the top. And wow. I would, I would sit cross-legged on the keg at keg parties and, and drink the whole time and then fill people's cups. Um, at five years old. Yeah. At five. Wow. Like I, okay. I, I, and, um, and so I had, yeah, so I was doing all that. And then my cousins and I would like, they were all, you know, metal heads. And so we would go out and uh, be partying and then it'd be time to drive home. And their idea was like, well, what are they going to do to a nine-year-old drunk driver? Like, there's no jail oh for God. that. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and so I learned to drive drunk at nine. Um, and so uh, that that being said, I was drinking and, and doing, you know, I doing drugs. I don't, I, I think that there's something to where that's like, I, I have that, that story of like, I was smoking weed at nine and I was running drugs across town at eight. And I was doing all this stuff, but I also wasn't, I wasn't that hardcore. Like yeah. I wasn't bad. All the people I hung out with were doing way harder drugs and doing way crazier stuff than me. I was a real high bottom in the sense of when I got sober, like I was yeah. mostly really an alcoholic. I, yeah. um, I hadn't done, I hadn't done most of the things that people talk about that I know are consequences of addiction. I had a taste of it. Yeah. I had a taste of the consequences. Um, well, let I me also, just say really quick, I, not to interrupt, but I'm so glad to hear that because so many people often talk about, as I'm sure you've heard, you need to hit a rock bottom and people picture like, 
the heroin addict strung out under a bridge or the alcoholic passed out in the gutter, but that is not the case. And I tell people that I unfortunately have hit these places and nearly died a number of times, but that was the path that my life took. I love when I hear stories like yours, which unfortunately are somewhat rare to me, but where you don't necessarily hit that bottom. Like you said, you had a high bottom. And that's what I try to tell people, especially the young people that you and I both work with, is that, and I never use scare tactics. Dare never worked for me. I try to let them know, like, look, this is what can happen if you do not, you know, start your healing journey now when you have the opportunity. But you don't have to go to that place. Like, this can be your quote unquote bottom. This can be your churning point. So I just wanted to take a moment to really commend you on that and uh, and and really emphasize the fact that that's so important that bottoms don't have to be what most people think they are. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And uh, thank you for letting me interject. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And that that is that's so much of what I used to do too. I mean, that's that saying of like the bottom is when you stop digging Yeah. and so drop the shovel is like, that's my thing constantly is every time I'm get any kind of uh, clarity about myself and my behavior and like, could I drop the shovel? Can I just drop it right now? What Mm. do I do to let this go? Um, so my bottom was really seeing that I was doing the stuff that the people who are getting the consequences were doing. And I, that was me. And I had this moment of clarity where I was, I was actually standing on a street in Santa Cruz that's called, it's Mission Street. And it goes up a few blocks and then it turns into Highway 1. And then you follow Highway 1 all the way to San Francisco. And I was standing on a corner after a night of, I woke up face down on a hardwood floor in a metal band's uh, house and crawled out and was like, I, I'm willing to never have fun again, to not feel like this, to not have this the empty feeling. And I went and stood on mission street and I looked up mission street and I went, do I have to walk all the way to San Francisco to know that this road leads there? Wow. And that was, and then I went, no. And then the amazing thing, like growing up in the center of the courage to heal movement was that the first clean and sober high school in the country or world, I don't know, but definitely the country was, had been started a couple months before that. And within a month, or a few weeks of me getting sober, I was interviewing for that school. And then I was at the school and I went to a clean and sober high school where their focus was, uh, was about personal development. And, um, I got counseling five days a week and, uh, individual counseling. And then I had a structure for two and a half years. And then I went on, you know, I left there thinking that I was never going to, I did not want to be a counselor. I never thought I was going to be working in the field at all. And then at 10 years sober, after I'd done all this traveling and I was an auto mechanic and I was like going to do all this other stuff, I hit an emotional bottom and physical bottom where I, I, I tell people that I got into working with as a counselor because both of my arms wouldn't work anymore. Like I had rat, I had intense tendonitis in both my arms cause I had been waiting tables and working on cars. And I got to a point where I was working in this, um, this retail store, which are lovely people that own the retail store, but I wanted to die. I was yeah. like, I can't stand here and tell rich women that they're not fat all day. Right. And that was, you know, and, and then I saw an ad in the newspaper and I went, well, everything is broken. Why don't I just go back to this place? I know, I know about recovery and I, I'll just show up. And then it turned into this 
you know, incredible journey of being a counselor there and ended up, I ended up becoming the director and I started other school or other programs and, um, and worked with young people. And it was this absolute passion for me. It still is. It's just 14 years of on the front lines, working with young people and the family and the community. Yeah. That really shaped me. It shaped who I am and how I live and all the really, really, really wonderful things about me that I really love yeah. are were illuminated and revealed by being in that position. I, I love that. And and we're so similar in that regard. I've worked with um, youth for about 15 years myself. And prior to doing these workshops that I do three times a month at a youth mental health and healing facility. It's with uh, young men and women ages 13 to 20 that are, it's a residential and they're there for anything you can imagine, you know, um, suicide attempts, self-harm, addiction, depression, eating disorders. Um, But prior to that, I got to work as an assistant site director for a before and after school enrichment program, um, kindergarten through fifth grade, which was awesome. But it was also hard because I don't like the words at risk, but for lack of a better word, that's what they were called. It was very low income, often single um, parent at risk um, areas of communities, kind of ghettoish areas. And that's why I was more passionate. That's where I feel at home. You know, like Mm -hmm. when I'm in like kind of ghetto areas, I'm like that that feels homey to me. And um, and I that work just like you said, shaped so much of who I was. And then I also got to do one-on-one youth mentoring with young males ages 5 to 18. And that was wonderful. But that was also very difficult, you know, being a mandated reporter, having to actually report things to here. It's DCF, the Department of Children and Family Services. And, you know, Mm -hmm. again, like seeing bruises and, 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 you know, you've, you've dealt with that. It's, it's so hard yet. Yeah, just like you said, I I wouldn't trade any of that. Hence why I still, you know, do that work today and um I'm I'm so lucky to do that. But before we move on, there's one thing I wanted to ask you about. If I remember correctly, did you get sober at 19? 15. 15. Okay. So you got sober at 15, which is amazing. I I actually became an addict at 19. So mm. the point you're 4 years sober, I'm now just starting like a full-blown addiction you know it went Mm -hmm. through the stages experimenting abuse or experimenting regular use abuse and addiction so I didn't go into my first program or my first detox until I was 24 so I had five years of every day alcohol is my drug of choice too but I was whatever you have give it to me like alcohol plus you know I'm Mm-hmm. And I remember even at 24, I was grateful when I came out of that program and I had like 14 months sober and then I ended relapsing and that became a cycle, unfortunately, for a good part of my life. But even at 24, I remember thinking, wow, I have to be sober the rest of my life. Like, how am I going to have fun? And, and, you know, that's why I do believe that just for today saying is very important. Um, but so getting sober at 15 you know, and, and I mentioned the demographic I work with now, mostly aside from workshops with adults and, and uh, I don't know, conferences is 13 to 20. And something I hear repeatedly is I can't picture, you know, like being sober the rest of my life. And I, I do my best to tell them you don't have to picture being sober the rest of your life. Picture being sober today for a couple mm-hmm. of days, whatever it is. But if you have that experience, what I'm curious about is what do you say? to youth, you know, that are, are in programs or that are struggling at that age. Like mm-hmm. what, what do you say 
you know, I I do the one day at a time thing. Yeah. I also I think there is something about uh, <laughs> the two little dogs they got in. I, oh yeah. <laughs> I love those dogs. I know you, our listeners can't see them, but there are two super cute dogs that keep coming in and out, and it's just making this interview that much more enjoyable. Um. So, I. I think that there's the one side about going one day at a time. Absolutely. One breath at a time, one obstacle at a time, one, you know, thing at a time. Um, and then the other thing that helped me and still helps me is that this, uh, this clarity for one thing about what am I actually talking about? Like, Oh, I can't be sober, blah, blah, blah. But if it were just, if I'm looking at it as a beverage, or just an activity, like if hula hooping had caused me to almost be a, a prostitute that dies on the street, I would probably just be like, you know, other people are probably cool hula hooping, but I'm not. So hula hooping seems like an activity I'm just not going to do. Sure. And hula hooping culture seems a little dangerous because I might jump in a hula hoop again. Right. And, and just to detach from there's this big cultural thing that we do is like drinking is this right and partying is a right. And it's like, well, it's actually an activity and it's a beverage and it's a substance. And the other thing that I would say, and what I did for myself was that I went with my life experiences, my trauma, or if you're not coming from a really traumatized place, there's you, usually there's trauma, Um, but there's, there's the, the thing about, well, is it a good idea? Like, is it actually not just do I want to, or it would be fun, or maybe I could get away with it, but actually is it, is it something that is a good idea? And for me, I went, well, with all the stuff I've done and all my history, I know nobody in my life that is con, you know, like that I respect and honor, like how their lives are, think it's actually a like good choice to go drink. And I went, I get to decide at 22. Yeah. I'm going to, I put it out. I put it years out where I just went, well, at 22, I might be at a different space in my space in my life. Yeah. And I, I can re reevaluate there. And what would that look like if I had a group of people that I talked to about this and I put it way out to past 22 so that 21 wasn't going to be this like rite of passage into partyhood. Mm. Um, the other thing though, is that when I, I I had this wonderful woman who was like 45 years sober, who'd gotten sober really young too. Um, she told me, she was like, you didn't get sober to like rot your ass in just meetings and counseling sessions. You got sober to have a life and like, why build a life that you want to protect with every action Mm -hmm. that you ever do. And so I had this thing where she was like, dream, go figure out what you want to do. And so by the time I was getting towards 22, I had this life that was built around health and wellness and joy. And I'd learned how to, I'm like, I, I have way more fun than yeah. I ever did. And, and so I, I just put out that decision till later and you know, that, that really helped. And with a lot of, I, I worked with a lot of young people who got sober and stayed sober. Like yeah. my whole graduating class, there were five of us and all five of us got 10 years sober. That's amazing. And then, and then a few, like three of them, I think, you know, went through a process of figuring out, well, where do they land about addiction? And they were actually, I mean, they were actually ones who didn't come from intense trauma and didn't have a history, a genetic history of substance abuse. And they went on and went to counseling and talked with people. And now they drink like normally or not barely, or they just don't do a recovery thing because they're like, well, I did that. And 
but the other thing is that like i i don't think that there's a Yes, we look at like there's a long life ahead. So for me, I had the thing where I was like, oh, my gosh, am I going to have to do this recovery thing, the right. same recovery thing forever? Yeah. And I'm, I would have left if it was one thing, if it was like that, like you just do X, Y and Z and you go to meetings on these days and you do this <laughs> thing and da, da, da. Um, I would have, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it, but right. having it be like, well, the whole world is open to me. The, all yeah. the spiritualities, all the, all the, um, self-help books in the world are there for me to yeah. be using. And so just keeping it, she, that woman also, the woman that had the 45 years, she would always say, you stay green and growing or you get ripe and rotten. <laughs> and so love that, that drive to just go, what am I, you know, what am I, uh, what's, what's fresh? What can I do? That's different. What yeah. can I, and, and without disparaging the stuff that had worked yesterday, because right. I think that's one personality thing that happens with people like me is that we go, well, this thing worked and then it stopped working or it's not the thing that I need right now. So I'm going to move on to this thing. And then I'm going to talk shit about the last thing. Right. Like that doesn't have to happen. You no, could be I like, know. like I, I was deeply Buddhist for many, many years. Yeah. And then I went on and was like, well, I think I'm going to try on, I went to a Christian church for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I was never really Christian Christian, but I think Jesus is fly. And you and me both. He, and, but like all the different things you can just keep trying on. I've done lots of different kinds of healing modalities and counseling and, you know, just like, you know, somebody else in my life was all, you just get fresh horses. Like don't, don't burn the wagon, get fresh horses, like right. go keep looking. Um, and then the one other thing that I, I kind of, people don't really, they like, Oh, you shouldn't do that. But it has worked for young people. Yeah. And it definitely has worked for myself. Once I got some little chunk of sobriety, I started looking at the math and I'm not super good with math, so I'm not going to be even be able to say it right here, sure. but I was 15 and I was like, I'm going to be 20 with five years sober fuck yes. I'm going to be 25 with 10 years sober. Holy shit. You know? And then I'm going to be 30 with 15 years sober. I had a roller skating party called 50, 50 on that date where wow. I was both 15 years sober and 30 years old. And then I was like, holy shit. Like I'm going to be like, I'm, you know, I'm going to be 45 and 30 years sober. That's amazing. And my, like, and I'm like, holy crap like if I if I decide to drink then that's no longer possible yeah and so then I'm, there's a little ego in there where I'm like fuck yes <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be so sober like I'm gonna be 90 years sober and telling people that like I helped God through a relapse like I am like gonna be such a baller and so that thing where I'm just like ha ha more sobriety <laughs> or more sticking with it or whatever yeah I need to I need to hang out with you more. I wish you lived closer because um, I wasn't the person, you know, I, I wasn't the one that got it that first time or the second or third or fourth. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I by the grace of whatever higher power, whatever you care to call it, I am alive because I have lost no shortage of friends um, to overdoses, to suicides. I have struggled with survivor's guilt as a result of that because I have hit, as I mentioned before, such rock bottoms. I mean, I've attempted suicide. I've been hooked up to, uh, I've been intubated because I couldn't breathe on my own and they didn't know if I was going to live. And I still went back and used. So, you know, there was just, 
that shit inside of me. And this is after years of still working on stuff like seeing therapists, going to meetings. Everyone has their process. But that's mm-hmm. why I love hearing like you, you know, you got sober and you stayed sober because relapse is not a requirement. And there's a young people's meeting I go to right up the street on Tuesdays. I'm far from a young person, but I love going to that meeting because there are so many people like 25, 30 years old that have five or 10 years sober. And that inspires the shit out of me. You know, like I'm like, you go, you know, like that is amazing. It's and it's it's encouraging to me to see that that's becoming less of a rarity. I know, on the other hand, there is, of course, this opioid epidemic, which has been going on for far longer, as you and I both know, than the news has been covering it. But once it hit like white suburban, you know, U.S., then it became the epidemic. But no, it was a huge problem well before that. But so, all right, so here you are, and you know, you you brought us up to speed on on a, a big chunk of your life, and so tell me about spirituality for you. I know you talked about the healing circles and whatnot, but what is like? And you mentioned being Buddhist and loving uh, Jesus, and I'm very much the same way. Like my bookshelves are littered with literature from all of the great wisdom traditions. I don't call myself anything, um, but I. That's pretty much the majority of what I read is, you know, the the whether it's the Vedantas or the Dhammapada or whatever. I don't care. The Gnostic Gospels. I have a tattoo of Kali and Buddha and Christ. <laughs> and, you know, it's all love. They're all inspirational figures to me. So I dig like that. And um, so t- if you want to tell me a little bit about what spirituality and I know this is a big question, but what that <laughs> is for you and how that led you into creating the Spiritual AF Instagram account. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, when I got sober, there's a, there's a push for finding a higher power. Sure. And I was really resistant. And there's this idea of like, well, God will take care. And when you're in God's will, that means you've done good and then good stuff comes. And then coming from my childhood where I was like, I didn't do anything to deserve that. And none of my behavior set any of that stuff up. And so I was pissed where I was like, that doesn't work for me. But I had this woman in my life who said, children experience spirit. And they usually have something that it's an experience that will lead you to whatever thought process you need to have around getting to that experience, that feeling of that connection, that bigger than you. And I had this experience where, um, where when I was five, my mom had uh, this boyfriend named Clutch Cargo that she'd met off the CB radio. That is a baller-ass name. (laughs) Clutch Cargo. Uh, Okay, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) So Clutch Cargo takes us to the Santa Cruz County Fair, and we are going to see a a country show. And we're right up against the, the stage, and... Um, up against this chain link fence where the stairs come down, where the the performers go up and down. And I'll, I'm going to backtrack here and just say, so I was five at that time. And okay. my at my grandma's trailer, there was this lacquered piece of driftwood with a clock on it and a hologram picture of Jesus. And Jesus had this wavy brown hair and this big blue eyes and this close crop beard. And as you'd walk by, like he would raise and lower his head like he was oh, on the cross. Wow. Yeah. And um. And I would stand there and just be like, Rah! and then my grandma would be like, don't fuck with baby Jesus. He helps me with my word puzzles. <laughs> and what she said uh, like about Jesus was that he loved everybody and everybody loved him. 
that he was the Lord and Savior and that he had suffered and, and died for us, or no, mm. he had suffered for us, that, um, and that he was uh, God in human form. And so I'm five years old up on clutch cargo shoulders with my hands in this chain link fence and Willie Nelson comes on the stage. Woo! Love Willie. <laughs> and he's got wavy brown hair and a close crop beard and these big, beautiful eyes. And he's saying, I love you. And everyone's like, I love you. And he starts singing and the guy has suffered, you know, he's yeah. like drank everybody's tears for us. Like, yeah. and I was this experience of being in the presence of the spirit. Like I was so filled up and just open to just go, this is God in human form. Yeah. And I, I, he, when he came off the stage, I was I was just like filled up and I just yeah. yelled, I love you. And he stopped and he reached up and he touched my hand and Whoa. he said, I love you too, baby. And it was so beautiful and perfect. And when I, and, 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 and I know that it's funny to say it's Willie Nelson and all this stuff, but when I went looking for that connection, I went to that moment and I looked at it and went, if I had been so smart I would have told myself that there was no way that this person could represent God and this experience could represent the divine because he was a high on marijuana, bankrupt country western singer. And I would have ripped my, I would have, I would have stolen that experience from myself because I would have thought myself out of it. So and let me the, finish your sentence and then I want to say something. I don't want to interrupt, but. So the, when I, so when I would look at what did I, how did I want to develop that feeling and that connection? Right. I went, don't be too smart to feel the divine. Don't think my way out of it. Yes. And then I went, the, there was a thing about just cracking open and it's, I call it the willingness that uh. <laughs> just to be, just to have the willingness, just to be like open to go, could this be revealing what is sacred to me? And there, there, there's so much in there that I went, I just went with that. So when I come back to trying to realign myself with what is bigger than me and my mind and my worries and my thoughts and all the storms in my life, I come back to that. How can I crack myself open to something surprising or something familiar, but that something is, that is, that is somehow sacred. I absolutely love that. Thank you for sharing that. I am a huge Willie Nelson fan, Johnny Cash. I actually have a Johnny Cash tattoo. I went and visited his grave. I drove with my best friend from Connecticut out to Hendersonville, Tennessee, just to pay our respects. Um, that's how much I love him. Um, so, but you were mentioning earlier, and I don't remember if this was pre-recording or not, but how you played the kind of one-up game uh, when you were younger. We're going to play the one-up game right now. <laughs> I'm going to play that with you because I love that story. And I'm sure people listening have probably heard me share about this. I wrote about it in one of my first two books. I don't remember which. But I had a similar experience, albeit I was much older. I had already been meditating. Um, I was very open to just the idea of call it spirit, call it universe, whatever you care to call it. But just that interconnectedness, which you know is love, which is... The force, if we're speaking in physics, you know, it's that that mass of pure potential energy that, you know, comes together and gives form. So I was in this space of openness and um, I have this website, The Indie Spiritualist, and I'm covering a Slayer concert. And uh, I think Motorhead's playing it and uh, <laughs> Anthrax. It's amazing. I still love all this music, still listen to it to this day. Um, and I love sharing this story because so there I am 
It's a huge uh, venue. I'm in the very front with the security because I have a photo pass for my website. And I'm taking pictures of, you know, the band and they have all their amps set up in like these upside down crosses and flames are bursting everywhere. And and I'm looking around the crowd. And uh, I mean, I all of a sudden, because as I'm doing this, there's a mantra I look to work with a lot that Ram Das teaches. It's just you repeat it over and over. I am loving awareness. And the more you do it, it, at first you're doing it. But then, as he says, the mantra begins to do you and anything that enters your field of awareness of being is essentially loving awareness because that is the place from which you are now experiencing life. And it's a very real thing. And I say that because here I am at that Slayer concert up front and all of a sudden I'm doing the mantra and I have one of many just pure non-dual experiences. Chris has left the building. Mm -hmm. There is, all there is, is this, there is a body and there is a presence that is looking through this body but all it is is love. And I remember the flames are shooting up and I turn around and I look at thousands of metalheads just going insane. And all it was was the personification of love. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences I have ever had. I did not get to touch Willie Nelson's hand. So you do <laughs> still win. But, I, you know, Slayer and a, a completely non-dual experience. Um, that to me is, you know, like proof positive that spirituality is accessible at all times and it doesn't have to look or sound or smell or you know be a certain thing that often people are told so just wanted to share that with mm -hmm. you so yeah I had the, my other side of that I yeah. just have to we're gonna play this game a little bit okay let's, let's do it <laughs> I started meditation and then went to a show with loving kindness and a soft belly yeah went to a and uh, being present and then this you know that it was blast was playing and oh, yeah, and, yeah. and this guy the, there's like just the mosh pits going and i'm standing there watching it just going open belly love and kindness and then this guy just is running and then he pulls his dick out and he just starts jerking off and the crowd like like kind of stops and is all wah and then you know uh clifford from blast like was like yeah <laughs> and it was this moment of just like pure intensity and like everyone just cheering on this guy <laughs> and I see that as the same kind of experience of like we were just present and it yeah. was like that energy and carnality and physicality with this this just love it for the moment and right. love for what was happening I, and so. I think that's beautiful that you could see it and experience it like that I, I think uh, Ram Das even said I don't remember if it's in be here now or he, I just heard him say this in a talk or something but you know, he used to do this thing early on where he would just sit and mirror with people. I don't know if it was when they were specifically uh, taking acid or if it was just what the specific circumstances was. But I, he said something in effect of somebody could have like taken their dick out and tried to stick it up my nose or something like that. And I apologize <laughs> if I'm off to listeners. Someone will probably like get all pissed. But he uh, said, I think there was something like that. But his point was that you get into this place of like, it's not even you anymore. It's just this loving like thing and not to be hippie-ish, but that really like, that's the experience. It's just, it's no more you and me at that point. It's just literally the dance of life and, and it's flowing through this body, you know, these atoms and molecules and cells that become this organism that are just, mm -hmm. you know, that will again return to wherever the hell it's going to return to. But it's, uh, it's crazy, this life thing. So anyways, 
tell me about spiritual AF um, because I want to get to these cards. I've already gone longer than I wanted to, but so tell me about the Instagram account and then we're going to have some fun. We've well, we've been having fun, but we're going to have way more fun. Well, I mean, I think it's a good segue too from that, yeah. like the, how do we package spirituality? And I think right. that there's been this thing about spirituality is soft and it's gentle and it speaks right. in a yoga whisper <laughs> and it wears veils and, right. you know, that thing. And yes. that wasn't my experience. Right. And it never, it absolutely, like I, I went to, I went to California Institute of Integral Studies, which mm -hmm. I call woo woo you, like it is <laughs> the center of that stuff. And I sure. teach at Esalen, which is like, you know, like the epicenter of woo-woo-ness. I still have uh, not been to Esalen, one of the few places. It looks beautiful, uh, though. We're going to get you there. Uh, it looks um, gorgeous. But I also just, I always sit through all the like, the gentle talky whispery stuff yeah. or the ringing of the bells and the bowls and the, all this stuff to get to that heat of meaning. Yeah. And so when, when I was working with young people, I had to, I had to show up authentically. So I had to, I couldn't put on some front and I don't think that everyone with that, you know, softer end of spirituality is a front. But for me, it would have been taking on an identity that wasn't clear and authentic for yeah. me. So then when I started, I, I, you know, I left the nonprofit in order to go focus on writing. And, um, and then I had all these young people that it was a community to where people, they, they were like sober and going and doing their lives, but they were thought that they were going to be getting support because from this community that had given everyone before them, they'd seen support. So they were coming to me and my friend who'd been the teacher there and saying like, we're, we really need you. And so I was like, I had to, I was burnt out. So I really had to have a, a way of going, okay, I'm going to show up for this and I need to have boundaries. So we started the Instagram account as just a way to just continue to go like, remember, remember you can, you know, funny and, yeah. and lighthearted and deeply serious and meaningful and remember to laugh and remember to dance and remember to do gratitude and be kind and conscious and that. And then we, you know, we were called the unicorn maps because our unicorn was our mascot and all these people kept getting unicorn tattoos. And, yeah. and then we, after we'd had it for a while and we were, you know, people started following us. Um, and then I would, we would do something that somebody was doing tone police on and they'd be like, well, that's not very spiritual of you. <laughs> oh, I know all about that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And I would just go like, it would, it seriously, it's like this it pisses me off so much that I'm like, don't you try to pick up me saying me, me being willing to say stuff matters as a fucking weapon to hurt me with and to discount it, my humanity with. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, I, my friend went back to teaching and I just was like, what, you know, what, how do I deal with this? And so then I just was all, I'm going to name it spiritual as fuck. I'm going to wave this around in people's faces to just go, you know what? Kitten videos are spiritual yes. and you know, laughing about farts are spiritual and having a Hell dirty, yeah. messy, you know, wild existence where you're not perfect is spiritual. Yes. And like the way that I dealt with it was just put it out there to just go, there you go. Spiritual as fuck. I'm, yep. That's it. And then to also honor that, like, I think that there's this way that we do disparaging 
we, we want to say bad things about stuff like technology. And so, yes, technology is having an effect on, um, on our, our culture. And then there's sure. usually when I'm putting on the right glasses, I can find that there's also something coming with it that is offering a new outlet for positivity and connection. And so I know that watching stupid kitten videos has helped me through the darkest times of my life. Mm -hmm. And that for me is a hand reaching out to me, offering me solace and refuge and, you know, and a, and a place. And so to honor meme culture, to honor, that's why when these cards came about, it was like, let's honor meme culture. Let's honor the way that, that positivity is being, being packaged in these one little pictures with like these succinct sayings. And then how, you know, the, how do we put it in our pocket? How do we pass it physically? And so that's why when I was, uh, the publisher came and we were, you know, we're talking and we came up with this idea about like, well, if I could do anything, it would be to, to write self-help books that people, my people and that I love the like gritty wild fuckers out there in the world can, can have. And that what, one thing I'd been told is that you know, I pitched a book before twice and that they'd said, those people don't buy self-help. Right. And then, and then I was like, well, all right, maybe they'll buy these little pocket sized cards. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you, the cards are incredible. So, you know, we were talking about this before we recorded and I adore them. You and I are so similar. I can't wait a side note for indie spiritualists to get there because when you get that book, you're going to understand like how, how much we really are on the same page. So uh, anyways, so you put out this deck. It's not quite available yet. By the time the show airs, it will be. And it is up for pre-order on Amazon right now. Um, mm-hmm. If somewhere to, well, actually, I, I don't even ask. If you are interested, and you better be interested in these cards, or I'm <laughs> going to come to your house and make you interested. Um, <laughs> you, you can find them on Amazon um, or just scroll down. If you're on the Be Here Now website, we will have a link to the cards. I was fortunate enough, Roxanne gifted me with an advanced uh, copy, which my fiance is kind of actually <laughs> taken a hold of more than myself. Um, oh, and another side note, I love that the animal thing, a really quick note about that. I, you know, even though I was, I've never taken, we're similar in the spiritual thing. Like, you know, like I can be spiritual and still listen to Slayer and play in a band called Intercourse and like not give a fuck (laughs) because that's spiritual to me and that's what I do. But so it's so funny that my fiance has an obsession with like animal videos, like cute little mice. We actually have two pet mice that I never thought I would fall in love with mice as pets. And we lost a, a mouse named Coffee. Uh, a few months ago and I cried mm-hmm. such an ugly cry same cry as like when I had dogs um, I would have never thought mm-hmm. but you know it's so funny because I'll hear these weird noises coming from a part of the apartment and I know it's my my fiance just watching these silly like animal videos or she'll Instagram send me all these cute little hamsters and mice feet videos and shit and I love that now so I think that's part of why also I, I super dig your 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 page because you share stuff like that and I know that's part of why she loves it too so <laughs> thank you both for that now what I want to do really quickly is you have these two decks they come together correct they're sold as uh or are they sold no. separately they're sold separately oh so I got a really nice uh yeah duo okay cool so they're sold separately <laughs> So anyways, just buy both of them, okay? Because they are, you need, you can't have one without the other. 
One is called Spiritual as Fuck, 99 Inspirational Cards for People Who Fucking Need Some Inspiration. <laughs> and the other is called Grateful as Fuck, 99 Inspirational Cards for People Who Fucking Need Some Inspiration. I love these. So, you know, you have the spiritual category, grateful category. I, you know, in the grateful AF category, there's a quick like about or how to use. So I want to read that real quick and then I want to have some fun and just randomly pick some cards and we're going to we're going to give listeners an example of what we've been talking about. <laughs> so it says the first uh this is what you wrote. The first time someone suggested I write a gratitude list, I was 25 years old, homeless. I was actually 15. They oh, misprinted right. that. That. <laughs> that was the misprint. You were 15. Yes. What a big misprint too. Ugh. I'm glad we well we're setting the record straight here. Yes. So you were 15 15 years old, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. Homeless. Hopefully when the second pressing happens, because I know there will be a second pressing, they will fix that for you. Um, So 15 years old, homeless, seven days sober, and had just walked away from a home where I'd been abused in every possible way. When this brave person told me that if I wanted to have a good life, I'd have to find gratitude, I was so angry, I flipped over a table before I walked out. In my mind, I had nothing to be grateful for and thought the world should hand me a fucking... Oh, I'm sorry, a fuck ton of reasons to be thankful before I was ever actually going to feel, much less express, gratitude. Later that day, someone bought me a 59-cent taco from Taco Bell, and I stopped and said thank you to that person and then to the universe. Since then, I've turned toward gratitude in my darkest times and have seen my life change from inside out. When I see gratitude as a choice, I am always free to make, no matter what, I am the most powerful version of myself. That has changed everything for the better. My hope is these cards will help other wounded or just human people build up their gratitude muscles. Pick a card. Maybe it will help you find your 59 cent taco. And then it says three steps to grateful AFness. One, pick a card each morning. Two, use the handy easel to keep it in view all day. And three, at the very least, your friends and family will think you're deep as fuck. <laughs> With love and gratitude, Roxanne. You're amazing, Roxanne. You are the, you're the best. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I've got the box of grateful and I've got the box of spiritual. I'm going to start with grateful. We're going to do this together, okay? I'm going to run okay. my finger back and forth across the, the deck. You tell me when to stop and I'll just grab whatever card I stop on. So okay. whenever you tell me stop. Stop. Okay. Here's what we got. Pillows. And this is from the grateful <laughs> as fuck. So you have on one side, the majority of the cards are like one word or a couple of words, just so um, our listeners know. So pillows. And then you flip it over. Go look up what ancient Egyptians put their heads on to sleep. Now go squeeze that soft, welcoming cushion you get to snooze on. You are more lucky than Egyptian pharaoh. What did Egyptians used to sleep on? Oh, my God. There are these little stands. They're like hard rock stands that you just have to they would just stick their neck on. It was horrible. Awful. So that is what I love because I do this game sometimes where I will do what's called the I call it the gratitude alphabet, where if I'm going to sleep or if I'm driving, I just go through A to Z and I think of literally anything I can that I am grateful for. Trying not to ever repeat something. It could be a band, could be Mm a movie, could be a person, whatever. And this, these cards remind me of that. So that's why I love these. Like, cause people take for granted, especially in our Western culture, something like pillows. You know, the fact that I woke up today and I have food to eat. I have a shower. I have a toilet that works. I, I'm not rich by any means, but I have what I need. 
I don't take that for granted. I am so grateful. And I think it's because of some of the places that I've been and, and you've been that we are able to find gratitude and, and something that people probably do take for granted, pillows. So mm-hmm. let's continue this game. <laughs> We're going to go to the spiritual as fuck deck. And same thing. I am running my fingers back and forth and you say when to stop. Uh, stop. Okay. Pulling up. Make sure the other side. Okay. Be kind-hearted, AF, and full of love, but maintain boundaries like a motherfucker. (laughs) Flipped over. It says, letting people fuck with you is not a spiritual attribute. Think about Archbishop Desmond Tutu. That dude wouldn't have done the good shit he did in the world if he let people walk all over him. Even His Holiness the Dalai Lama tells people to fuck off sometimes. And in uh, parentheses, in his own compassionate AF way. How great is that? And boundaries, perfect topic, because that is something any of my listeners know. I have struggled with my whole life, even to this day. People pleaser, saying no. Like, it's something I have had to very much become aware of and work on, especially these last several years with invitations to speak and then people that email and need help. Oh my gosh, it, it never ends. So I love it. Be kind hearted, AF, and full of love, but maintain boundaries like a motherfucker. You know, in, in a how, how how does somebody do that? And we, <laughs> I mean, I, I can say how I think, but I want to hear from you. Like, how do how do we be kindful but set those boundaries, especially those of us like myself who are people pleasers? Uh huh. I mean, that's a huge topic, but yes. I I think I think that um, seeing it as a something bigger than myself. So when I am setting boundaries, if I can back away from, yeah, but this moment, this person, I'm afraid of their reaction, I'm afraid of whatever, Mm. that if I can see it as a practice that is bigger than myself, I am able to see past whatever it is that's blocking me from doing that thing. And part of it is to to not to to have discernment about what beliefs I'm I'm holding on to. Do I believe that I, you know, if somebody's mad at me that that I am automatically wrong? Yeah. Well, that's not quite right, you know. And back and see, backing away from that and seeing the broader picture. I think the other thing that we do with boundaries, which I'm, I mean, I I have a whole thing I'm writing right now about boundaries, mm. is that. If we just start looking at our actions are the boundary, we be the boundary, don't talk about the boundary, having somebody understand your boundary is not actually setting the boundary, the boundary Mm -hmm. is your actions. So we, we have this thing within, I think counseling, people who've been to lots of counseling will go, oh, I set a boundary because I explained it forever to somebody. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that you, you don't actually even have to like explain it. You can be it. So if just, you know, just saying no, just, or re choosing not to put yourself in that position or when somebody, if you have said it, if you have, you know, said the thing and then they do the thing, then you do something else. You don't yeah. engage anymore. And that is so, it's so powerfully altering to to me in my life. When I am conscious about my actions are the actual boundary. It's not what mm. comes out of my. I love that. And you're right. Like we could talk about that in depth for <laughs> like a whole show. So that was a wonderful, succinct. <laughs> thank you for that explanation. I know we have about five minutes left. Are you game to do one more card each from the yeah. decks? I think this yeah. is fun. So, this is um, so and I, fun. yeah, I definitely, and I, I really want our listeners to get a real sense. I think they already have, but 
I I can't tell everyone listening how much I love these cards. Like sincerely, um, I'm I'm so excited for you because these are gonna sell like I don't know. I'm sure millions. I I'm telling you. I'm putting it out there. Millions will be sold. So we're gonna do the grateful deck again. My finger is moving, and you <laughs> just say when to stop. Stop. I want it to be Ben Franklin. I love that card. Okay, well, I'm going to give you a bonus when we can do the Ben Franklin. Um, it's not Ben Franklin, but oh. we, I'll tell you what. We'll do a we'll do a bonus Ben Franklin. So this one says, I don't know. There's a number of um, quote, quotation short sentences. It says, I don't know. Please help. I fucked up. I forgive you. I love you. I was wrong. The truth is, thank you. And then on the back you say, these phrases have saved so many people's lives. I, I mean, I think it kind of says it all, but is there anything that you wanted to add to that? And it's That's okay my not. second favorite card in there. So is we got it really? It. <laughs> yeah, oh, I really beautiful. pushed for that one because when I, I was writing daily gratitude lists on, this is how this all came about. Yeah. And that day I was just crying, putting those things down going. I'd, I'd pretty much done all of those. I'd said all of those recently and yeah. was like, thank you to those. And so, yeah, I'm so glad that one came up. So, okay. We're still going to do this one more from spiritual deck, but really quick, I don't know where the Ben Franklin is because I have 200 cards here. Tell us about the Ben Franklin one. Oh, you have to experience it. Ben Franklin is like my, uh, I, yeah, I, I can't quite, I can't hold it, but I just, I, it was one of those that I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad I wrote that. <laughs> Damn it. And I remember reading it because I was like, huh, Ben Franklin. And I was like, didn't that dude kind of have a sordid past? But uh, who amongst us doesn't? So anyways, yeah. um, but I don't remember what it said on the back. So, okay. Well, let's do a spiritual layoff card. Same deal. Running my fingers. Mm-hmm. And whenever you feel like it, you tell me to stop. Uh, you stop. Okay. I'll you stop. stop. I stopped. <laughs> and I'm pulling up a card. And it says, oh, nice. Loving is its own reward. And then on the back, the very act of loving is the benefit of the risk. We all want to be loved back. We all want to be supported. But when you grow up, you see that it has nothing to do with how the person who receives your love reacts and all about you just being willing to open your heart in this dangerous world. Be a gangster and love the fuck out of somebody today. Expect nothing in return. This is why I love these. I mean, there is something very poignant in what you said there, but you said it in a way that you're not going to hear, you know, a lot of these New York Times bestselling, quote unquote, spiritual teachers say it. And that's why, like, our tribes, these wild, crazy people can connect with this stuff. And and you can open this door that they may not have otherwise been interested in had it not been presented to them such as you're presenting it, you know, like had I had these cards when I was like, when I was younger, I wish I had these cards when I was younger. Like I would have resonated with them being like this punk rock, fuck you kind of attitude. And I still am punk rock, fuck you. And, <laughs> and again, I think that's why I love these, but, um, oh, I'm, I'm glad I found Ben. Let awesome. me read it. Please. I'm going to toot my own horn. Okay, yes. Well, you I love- should own so, it. Ben Franklin. 
What a hottie founding father. Ben invented <laughs> swimming fins, lightning rods, street lamps, motherfucking bifocals. And if you ever have to get a catheter, thank Ben. Because before him, you'd have an unbendable tube shoved in there and not a nice flexible hose. Also, lending libraries and the pay it forward concept. If Ben doesn't float your boat, there's an infinite number of people in the past to choose from. So who gives you a historical boner? <laughs> And now I remember reading that because I have had the pleasure on a number of occasions of having a catheter inserted and oh. it sucks. Such is the glory of being an alcoholic. Um, so but it yes, sucks less because of Ben. So thank you, Ben Franklin. So, all right. I know we have a minute left. Um, our friend Roxanne is um, on a tight schedule. She's going to do some teaching, but Roxanne, I always like to give the last moment to my guest, is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to share with listeners? Um, literally anything at all. And if not, that's cool too. But I like to leave the floor with the guests. So, uh, no, I just, I mean, silly. I'm grateful that I got to do this, oh. that I'm the gratitude lady. Um, yeah, I just had a great time. And you've been, I don't know, I just want to flood you with positivity because you have been such a great role model for me and um, just, you know, just our budding friendship. So today was wonderful, even with all the mishaps and yeah. outages and things. So. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. The feeling is more than mutual. I look at you as a complete peer and I adore the work you do. Um, I sincerely, to all my listeners, they listen to the show because they know I don't bullshit. So when I say please check out Roxanne's Instagram account if you're not already following it and follow the hell out of it because I guarantee you you'll love it. Buy both of her decks which are available April what? Do you know the exact day? March 14th. Oh, oh March 14th. Oh, so yeah. by the time this airs, they will be available. Awesome. So yeah, they're going to be in... I just found out they're going to be in Urban Outfitters. So Holy if you, shit. yeah, so go into Urban Outfitters because they're only going to be in a couple stores in the beginning. So yeah. if we, if people go into Urban Outfitters and ask for them, that so. is ridiculous. I always go into Urban Outfitters and I'm like, I wish my book was here. And now I'm going to be like, my friend Roxanne's stuff is here. Cool. <laughs> that was my shit. big dream. So I just found uh, that out that I, that they took. Wow. Them. Congrats. Ah, yes. And thanks. you deserve every ounce of it. Um, these, yeah, totally perfect fit for Urban Outfitters. Yay. So psyched for you. All right. So people can find you. The best way for them to find you is at the Instagram account. Is that correct? Yeah. Spiritual underscore AF on Instagram. You can, I'm also on Facebook at Spiritual AF, okay. or you can find, just search my name. My name's spelled funny. So it's just... R O X A N, like right. a chemical, Roxon. <laughs> and mcdonald like the fast food place awesome and and just to note you also will be doing some workshops coming up and and all that so everyone please keep your eyes out for that you'll be announcing that i'm sure on your your social medias yeah. correct cool yeah. so yeah. yeah check out roxanne's pages follow her show her all the love because she deserves it um roxanne thank you this has been a blast and uh i don't know i'm, I'm literally at loss for words grateful as fuck Let's leave it at that. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Thanks, Roxanne. Thank you so much. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. 
What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now.